Well, I am excited to welcome you today as the Christ Journey family gathers once again, not only in our Gables campus, Kindle campus, across the nation, around the world, wherever you're making your connection with us, we welcome you. And uh, we are praying God's blessing for you. But I got to tell you this, we have a special guest in the house today, uh, Dr. Dan Yeary, recently retired from the pastoring the great North Phoenix Baptist Church, and prior to that served as the pastor of University Baptist Church for 18 years. Would you join me in greeting Dan Yeary? Dan, would you stand and let us shout out to you? God bless you, man. We love you, we appreciate you, we respect you, we're grateful for you. Amen. Oh my goodness, and now, you know, so I'm really nervous because, so I'm just letting you all in on that, you know, uh, because of all days, this is like boot day at Christ Journey Church, and to my knowledge, in the 91 years of our storied history, we have never had a boot day before. So here it is, uh, and I'm wearing my boots, you know, these, uh, these Lisa got me in Wyoming uh, earlier this year, so this is like their first public outing. Um, <laughs> But you know, I was raised in Arizona, and I pastored two churches in Texas. So you may not know this, but though I don't wear boots often, I have an appreciation for the cowboy boot, and you're wondering, well, why boots today, right? And it's not just because I got a new pair that Lisa gave me that I wanted to wear. It's because we are speaking to taking bold steps of faith that are defying gravity, and you'll see that in just a moment. Uh, in one of his letters, actually, Paul says we should give attention to spiritual footwear. He says that spiritual warriors should pay attention to what they are wearing on their feet. And then he said, you know, there's like this traction spiked gospel sandals that Roman soldiers would wear to hold them steady in the day of battle. Uh, that spiritual footwear should be on our minds. But today, Peter is the topic of discussion. And, um, and the day that he walked on water. So maybe we should really be talking about other types of footwear like galoshes maybe, or uh, water skis, or how about boots? What I'm thinking is we're not told in the gospels if Peter, the night that Jesus called him out of the boat onto the water, if he took off his sandals. I don't think he did. I think, you know, knowing Peter, he acted first, thought later, and he was already out there in them, okay? Um, but what I'm also wondering is if these heroes of faith that we've been looking at for the last few weeks, if they had actually grown up in Arizona or lived in Texas or maybe the American Old West, then Abraham and Sarah, instead of riding camels, you know, they would have been riding horseback into the new day with God that he was creating. Joshua, when he fought, he would have been reclaiming Fort Jericho for God if he had been in the American Old West. David and Goliath, of course, would have had their shootout showdown in Ela Valley. And Peter would have been wearing boots to take some bold steps of gravity-defying faith as Jesus leads. That's the reason. You'll hear more about that in a moment. But why we asked you to wear boots? Because Christ wants his followers to be leaders that learn to take bold steps of risk forward. And so the lesson today is simply this, faith risks as Jesus leads. And it's really a leadership lesson. 
What's happening in the story is Jesus has got his, uh, it's a private tutoring time on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has got his men there to help them know how to live their lives full on. Now, why does that matter? Well, maybe you're familiar with the quote, most people die with their music still in them. Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. said, many people die with their music still in them. Too often it's because they're always getting ready to live and then time runs out. T.S. Eliot, another great writer, said, this is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Many lives end that way. The poem is called Hollow Men. You ever felt hollow? You ever felt empty inside? I mean, what's to keep you from a whimpering life, to whimpering your way through life, this kind of hollow soul living? And the world gives us lots to whimper about. Maybe you've done some whimpering this week. And there's plenty out there, the headlines, you know. War, economic injustice, suffering on a global scale, closer to home. We've got clutter of our, that complicates our everyday lives. There's bills to pay, there's work to be done, and relationships, man, they just don't get any easier, it seems sometimes, right? Relationships are hard, they're challenging, and you start to want to whimper sometimes. And then there's the gravitational pull of the mundane and the, the tedious routine. How do you keep that from dulling your edge in life? I mean, how do, you, how do you live every day of your life? How can you stay sharp and alert and alive instead of just, you know, is there a way to keep getting better and not bitter? Whimpering your way until it's over and you really didn't live. I think this story in the life of Jesus addresses that, the walking on water story. The scene is reported in three of the four gospels immediately after this incredibly miraculous feeding of the thousands. The first time it happened, there were 5,000 men there. Scholars say it add the women and kids, and you got 15,000 people. And you know this happened. The disciples, this is the first time it happened. They are blown away. What just happened? And yet that night, that very night, the same day that the thousands were fed, that night, it said after the crowds had left, Jesus tells his guys to get in the boat, go on over the other side of the lake while he goes up the mountain to pray. And, um, and the boat, this is Matthew 14, Mark 6, John 6, they all tell the story. It says it's dark. It's dark. The, uh, the boat is now in the middle of the lake and the wind picks up. Next thing you know, the wind isn't just picking up, it is now turning against them. So Mark says they are straining at the oars, rowing against the wind. And Matthew says now the waves are tormenting. That's the literal meaning of the word. The waves are tormenting the boat. And John says it's a strong wind and now the sea's getting rough. And then um, all three of them say it got scarier and weirder the later in the night it became. The fourth watch of the night, that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. Doesn't everything get scarier and weirder during that time? You know, isn't everything a little bit louder at 4 a.m. in the morning? They're out, in, so it's creepy dark outside. It's the darkest part of the night, and they're out in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the water. Imagine. They can't see the shore. 
John says they've rowed three and a half miles. The lake is five miles wide. So in other words, they're too far to turn back and they're not far enough to see where they're going and it's dark and you got the waves kicking up. So here's the scene. You got 11 guys in an open air rowboat in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night and a strong wind is starting to kick up so that it's tormenting the boat and tossing them and there are some fishermen on the boat and they know that at 650 feet below sea level, sudden windstorms can kick up and cause squalls that raise high waves that can wash over your boat and take it down. They have experience on the water. And that's when all three gospels say these grown men see something terrifying. 4 a.m., waves kicking, it's dark. They see something terrifying that makes these men cry out. They, they, they think they're seeing a ghost through the wind, through the waves, at a distance, there's this figure approaching them on the water. On the water. One of them in the boat says, it's a ghost. And, um, and all three gospels say that all of the disciples witnessed it. This wasn't some kind of hallucination. And, and we're then told that it's Jesus walking on the water, I'm not sure that helped. You know, it's like, Jesus says, and take courage. You know, it's dark, the winds are kicking up, can't, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, afraid, afraid. So he says, I think, you know, you're listening as those who've heard the story before, you know the story, right? But can you imagine, the first time, how much creepier can this get? It's not a ghost, it's Jesus. What? What's he doing out there? In the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm, are you sure? Peter says, well, I can't see quite clearly, you know, because the waves are kicking and the boat's tossing and I'm not sure, but I, I recognize the voice. Don't be afraid. And so, of course, Peter does next what Peter always does. He talks to the ghost. <laughs> and says, Lord, if it's you, what, wait, if? <laughs> You're not sure, what are you doing talking to that thing? If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, why would he do a thing like that? He doesn't know for sure, he can't see that well. It's dark, the boat is tipping, the wind is blowing, but he recognizes the voice, maybe, doesn't he? He can't see, but he hears and knows that voice. He's heard that voice before. And no sooner than he responds in typical Peter style, the voice says again, come! Matthew 14, 29, Peter got down, out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Amazing. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he be beginning to sink, he said, Lord, save me. I feel that. I've been in ocean swells 15 feet high in a craft at risk on the ocean. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have a little faith. 
Why'd you doubt? Hey, seriously? Doesn't everybody know why he doubts? I'm telling you, the guys in the boat know. The guys in the room know. Every one of us know. He was scared for his life. And I'm hearing Jesus when, he, when he's saying this. What I hear his voice, the tone is this, you know. He's not chiding him. He's, saying, he's, he's assuring him, I've got you. Why'd, why'd you doubt? Why'd you doubt? You feel me? I'm here. And, um, and when they climb in the boat, the wind died. <laughs> what just happened? And then those that were in the boat worshiped him. I bet they did. Saying, surely, truly, you are the son of God. Now, what's that about? Obviously, it's about Jesus, right? It's about Jesus, master of the sea. It's about Jesus, Lord of creation. It's about Jesus, worthy of worship. Yes, it's about Jesus, but, but it's also a leadership lesson. Remember, this is about the 12. What's, what's that about? Well, it's about Jesus more than a man, but it's about Jesus making Peter more of a man too, isn't it? It's about Jesus with 12 guys in a boat that are scared out of their heads, and it's about Jesus making them more than overwhelmed, whimpering men. Being intimidated by life, it's about making them heroic men. How do you become a hero? Well, what we've been learning over the last few weeks is that heroic faith first lives above sea level. Can't always trust what your eyes see. You gotta live above. Heroic faith follows God's directions, just like Joshua did. Heroic faith functions as the the attitude that, that determines your altitude in life. That's what happened to David and Goliath. We saw that, right? So here's the point. You want to check, see how your heroism is? If you're a hero, then ask yourself this. Am I just letting circumstances, what I see, determine how I feel, or am I willing to take the step of faith? You can do a quick check right now. Is what I see determining what's going on in me? You can do a quick check. Am I following God's directions? When he has given me direction, am I following, or am I still Because heroes follow God's directions. Heroes get above what they see. Heroes adjust their attitudes to get on God's altitude on the battlefield. And today, the lesson is this. Heroic faith risks as Jesus leads. Risks as Jesus leads. So in other words, Christ's intention, Christ followers don't die with their music in them. They, they live dancing on the water. They sing the music with him at his direction. Today, what we're learning is that as Jesus leads, Christ followers don't die with a whimper. We follow Jesus. Even when the night is dark and the waves are high and the winds are strong and we can't see him quite clearly, we still follow, and some of us even place ourselves at risk for the voice. Is that what the story says for you? If if any of the guys on the disciples are not going to die with their music in them, it's Peter, isn't it? I mean, usually he's the open mouth insert foot guy. 
But today he's the follow Jesus guy. And he's saying, I'm all in. He hears his voice and he boldly steps out. What's he think? Well, he's obeying Jesus' lead. It's a leadership lesson. It's a leadership lesson. Uh, Jesus will soon be with them no longer. They will not be seeing him clearly as they have. And the overwhelming powers are going to be coming against them. In fact, he's going to take them there. He says, I want you guys to take this to the whole world. Yeah, the Roman Empire and beyond. I want you to take it there. So they're already overwhelmed by needs, and yet the ministry forward in just days ahead is going to be handed off to them. Now, how will they do it? It's going to seem overwhelming. We're just 12 guys in a boat. And at times they're going to feel overcome, maybe tempted to whimper a bit. And... uh, And at times it's gonna feel like the very fabric and life of nature is storming against them. Listen, by the way, this message isn't just for people in the quote ministry so-called. Jesus wants all of his followers to be channels of ministry into their part of his world. This is about us, this is about you, this is about me. This is about learning how to do the impossible Right after the feeding of the thousands comes the walking on water and Peter's saying and Jesus saying, come on, what's that about? Well, it's about you becoming a leader, not just a follower, a follower that leads. Leads where? Well, in the feeding of thousands, the meeting of needs, and then the rising to the occasion when the opposition is strong. So first, I think the lessons here are clear like this. First, that God in Christ is bigger than your crisis. Some of you came in with a pretty strong crisis today, and the bottom line is this. Jesus is bigger. He can handle it. So can you when you're walking with him. That's in here in the message, right? Whatever, whatever crisis is coming your way, Christ is bigger than that crisis. Whatever is over your head is still under his feet. Whatever seeks to do me woe, his love can overthrow. Though I be sinking fast, his grace will always last, and his mighty arm is ever able to deliver me. That's the first lesson. So whatever crisis you're in today, I'm telling you this, meet Jesus in it, welcome Jesus to it, walk with Jesus through it, and worship Jesus as Lord. That's how these guys did it. And then the next message for me is simply this. You know how Christ wants to address your crisis? Through you with you. Christianity is not a spectator sport. True Christ followers follow Christ. We move into action. So if you're a guest with us today, you accepted an invitation, you honor us by your presence. Thank you so much for coming. But if you're looking from the outside in and want to know what is this about, When we say Christ's journey, church, we're talking about following Jesus. So we want to be people of action, not just you know, sitting here. And so follow Christ, move out of the stands, get into the field, put some skin in the game, get out of the boat. That's, that's what he's saying here. And yet I also think it's significant what Jesus isn't teaching. What he doesn't teach the guys in light of the feeding of the thousands, he doesn't say, now here's the magical incantation that can show you how to fix magic meals on wheels for everybody. On the other side of the walking on water, he doesn't say, now guys, here's how you can control the forces of nature if you really want to do it my way. He doesn't do that. In fact, we have no further record or report that there was ever another water walking experience for any of the disciples. 
This is a one of a kind, one time experience. This is a one time leadership lesson with a participatory learning exercise that the disciples will never forget, right? Following Jesus will take you into places where you will feel like you're in over your head and the way that he wants to address the overwhelming sense and face the crisis is not by magic, but by maturing your faith over fear. Every one of us gonna take journeys there. When the crisis comes and you're tempted to fear and you're going down, the way you're gonna overcome is not by learning the secret code of the magic word, it's gonna be by maturing your faith to step out and risk as you follow Jesus. Because I can promise you following Christ is gonna take you places where you feel like you're in over your head and he will take you there on purpose. Shortly, he would say to these same guys, I want you to go to the whole world and you gotta start where you are and then take it to Samaria, those people you really don't like. I want you to start with a risk, take it there. And if you can take it there, then it'll get to the rest of the world. Each one of them are gonna face overwhelming needs. So will you, if you're really following Jesus. Each one of them are gonna be called upon to face scary situations where they feel like, man, it's gonna call for courage to obey, to do God's will. So will you, maybe it's happening right now to leave their comfort zone and the safety of the boat and do the impossible, where you're tempted to say, that's impossible. That's where Jesus is gonna say, let me face down your fear and take on the challenge. So will you, why? Because here's the point, Jesus is teaching faith risks. You wanna grow heroic faith, then know this, faith risks as Jesus leads. So what's your risk today? How do you walk on water? How do you learn to walk on water? How do you learn to do the impossible? How do you, as a follower that Jesus wants to make into a leader, learn how to cut awake? You gotta take the risk. This is how it happens. You learn to do by doing. And, um, and so take the risk for Jesus. This is a step of risk-taking faith to get out of your boat. And I'm thinking, you know, if Peter were on the beach down here and we're given lessons on how to walk on water, few things come to my mind. What would he be saying? Well, obviously he's gonna say, well, you know, I remember the night it happened to me, you gotta get out of your boat. It's not gonna happen if you don't get out of your boat. So get out of the boat. In other words, your comfort zone, listen, your comfort zone is your enemy if walking by faith is your goal. I'm sorry about that, but that's, <laughs> that's where Jesus is gonna take you there. Your comfort zone will not be your friend. True faith in following Jesus is gonna stretch you and it's gonna mess with your status quo. It's gonna stir something up in you. God wants to develop leadership in you. What does that mean? Well, 80% of leadership is on the job training. You wanna learn how to be a leader? Lead something. Lead your, start with your life. Let's lead your life to follow Jesus. And then as you lead your life to follow Jesus, follow his instructions, don't live by sight, take the risk, then what are you gonna do? Well, start, lead something, do a ministry, lead a group, go on mission, step up to serve. Don't wait to be asked. Challenge your status quo, challenge your comfort zone, push it a little bit farther out. Is that what Peter would say? That's what happened to him. Here's another thing, keep your eyes on Jesus. 
Think Peter would say that? Yeah, keep your eyes on Jesus. Not on the storms, not on the waves, not on the doubts that are rising up inside of you, the little whimpering voice that's saying, you hollow man. No, not on your circumstances. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So start every day with Jesus, walk with him through the day, and especially when you can't see him, you gotta keep your eyes on him. What does that mean? (laughs) You'll find out as you do it. You'll find out as you do it. Show me, Lord, speak to me, Lord. And then you gotta let him have you. When he's going down, you wanna know how to do the impossible? You gotta let Jesus have you. And Peter would say this, especially when you're you're blowing it, when you're not doing well, when you're failing, because here's what Peter could say. Here's what I learned about failure. It's never final when Jesus is on the scene. Failure, in fact, is just another opportunity for Jesus to do what he does. You know, he saves. <laughs> Jesus loves to save you. So when you say, Lord, save me, Jesus loves to save because he's the savior. That's right. That's right. Um, it's, like, um, it's like riding a bike, isn't it? This walking by faith thing. You don't like pick it up the first time, but the next time, the next time, and you, you fall down, your parents come over and say, no, 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 get up, get, put your paddle, get, keep going. You know, because then you learn how to do it by doing it. Same thing with living by faith. And then I'm thinking that Peter would say this, but you know, the most important thing to me on that night when it happened to me was you got to know his voice. Sometimes you can't see quite so clearly, but you got you to gotta know his voice. When I heard him call... I said, Lord, I think that's you. Is the, if that's you, then you call me out there. Call me to come to you. So do you know his voice? I think Peter would say that. Do you know his voice? How can you know his voice? Well, here's what happened to me. If you're wondering about it, ask him to repeat himself. God doesn't mind repeating himself. What he wants is for you to know his voice. So Peter says, Lord, if that's you, would you come again? (laughs) Come. I got it. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. I can tell you this from my years of following Jesus and my experience as a pastor. If you want to know the will of God for your life, it will be harder. If you want the will of God in your life, it will be harder for you to miss it than to find it if you are willing to follow his voice. when he calls. But you gotta be willing to follow when he calls. Too many people, listen, too many people, if we were sitting over coffee right now, here's what I would tell you. Too many people die with their music in them and they just whimper their way through life, going through the motions, why? Because they're they're too scared. They're, uh, They're playing it too safe. This is Jesus saying to his guys, you know, (laughs) when God calls you, don't play it safe. Are you playing it safe with God? Are you playing games with God? Are you saying, well, if I knew it was him, but I'm not going to ask him again because he may really mean what he just said to me. You know, are you playing games? Are you acting like you don't know it was him calling you? Where is he calling you right now? My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. Talking to wannabe heroes of faith today. And I can tell you that he's already speaking and he's already calling and he's already talking to you and it's gonna be an invitation to get out of your boat. He's gonna be saying, will you take, he already has said this to somebody, take my light into your part of our dark world. 
Have you invited somebody to Easter yet? Get out of the boat. He's gonna prompt you, you know, if you could share a little bit of your story, that would help them. Have you shared it? Get out of the boat. Do business according to godly values or are you just gonna drift with culture, you know? And the spirit rises up in you and he's saying, get out of the boat. Take the risk. Where do you need forgiveness? Have you apologized? If somebody's offended you, have you forgiven them yet? Well, that's scary, that's risky. Yeah, get out of the boat. Jesus given us clear direction about that. You hear his voice, then go with him. Sometimes we chide Peter. Don't we? I know I have. I said, man, look, guy, you were on the water. You were, why did you take your eyes off Jesus? And then I'm thinking, but you know what? He walked farther on water than any of those other guys did. Which brings up another question. If you hang on that thought for a second, who decides what you do when Jesus calls? There's only one answer to that question, right? It's not the preacher. It's you. You do. Peter followed Jesus' voice. Eleven stayed in the boat. Why? Well, somebody's thinking, well, because Jesus didn't call them. Well, why did Jesus call him? Because he called out, didn't he? Faith risks as Jesus leads. Why didn't they say, when they see Peter out on the water and they're in the boat and they see him actually going, why didn't they say, well, if he can do it, I can do it? Why didn't they do that? Somebody say, well, they, Jesus didn't call them. Okay, well, then why didn't they do what Peter just did? Why didn't they say, now, Jesus, if that's really you, and th then I'm coming too. Because see, faith risks as Jesus leads. Where is he leading you? Where is he calling you to push past your fears and get out of the boat? Has God given you a big idea, and so far you've just sat on it? You're not taking action on it. You know, where is he leading you to push forward. Now, you may already be thinking this, so let me say it out loud. You know, people do such damaging and foolish stuff in the name of God and religion, don't they? Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You know, people take it. Jesus said, counterfeiters will come. They'll try to rip people off. They'll take advantage of them. Watch out, Jesus said. Watch out for cult leaders with Kool-Aid, right? It's like, watch out for those people who say this, you know, send your money to me and I'll send you the miracle prayer cloth that's blessed with the river Jordan water and God will heal you. That sounds fishy to me. Send me 129 bucks and God's gonna give you prosperity. We don't find that in the scripture. Jesus, you know, listen, here's the point there. Religion makes people do crazy stuff. But if you learn to listen to the voice of Jesus and follow his word, he'll keep you safe from that. That's why we're talking, faith risks as Jesus leads. Do you know his voice is the most important question. How can you learn it? Ask him to teach you. But I can tell you this, you will not grow into your full potential in Christ without taking risks for Christ. That's what this story's in here for, I believe. And I can also tell you this, that our church with all of its storied history is not gonna maximize its redemptive impact in mission and multi-site unless God's followers in it get comfortable out of the boat. <laughs> it's like, you know, multi-site campuses depend upon leaders being developed. What Jesus has is a boat full of leaders 
And what Christ's journey has are rooms full of leaders, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, joining us online, whatever room you're in, you're a follower, a potential leader. We've got a room full of leaders, a boat full of leaders, and Jesus says, I'm about to leave this in your hands and I'm gonna need you to learn how to get out of the boat because that's the only way the world is gonna experience Christ. But wait a minute, you know, I'm not, listen, group leaders, children's leaders, worship leaders, campus staff, campus pastors, the way they're gonna, we're gonna fuel a 2020 vision to have five campuses up in Miami-Dade across the county is as God's people, leaders rise to get out of the boat. You think, but I'm not qualified to do that. Peter wasn't either. He'd never been on water before without a boat. You know, that's the whole point here. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called when they respond. Now, God, that means God may be asking you to defy gravity this very moment. What are you doing? What's the gravity? Well, the gravity that's keeping you in your seat may be it. The gravity that's keeping you comfortable may be it. But I think the story's telling me this. He wants me out of my seat and on my feet on the water because that's where he wants to meet me and, uh, and my status quo has got to go. Your status quo has got to go. So we called today boot day and we invited anybody who wanted to to wear their favorite pair of boots. Why do we do that? There's actually a point to it. The challenge is simply this. You know, maybe you didn't hear about it. I get that. Maybe you thought it was a joke when we talked about it. Maybe you thought it was just another one of those novelty things. And who thought that up? Probably Bill. You know, let's talk about, <laughs> talk about it over lunch today. Or maybe you thought, you know, I'm not really a boot person. This is Miami. What's he talking about? I got sneakers and flips, you know. So I'm not, where am I going to get a pair of boots, right? And cowboy boots are goofy. You know, I don't know what it is that you're thinking about that. Or that's not what I usually wear. That's not my preference. Ah, okay, hold up. I want to affirm your power to wear whatever you want to wear. Whenever you want to wear it, you know, to the glory of God, please. But boot day challenge is this. It is us challenging the status quo of our preferred comfort zone when it comes to one time today. That's it. What I usually do is, okay, don't do that. Because walking on water comes down to what Peter didn't usually do. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't usually do that. And so here's, here's my point. Here's my learning from me. I would share it with you. Don't let your preferences of what feels most comfortable because it's what you usually do keep you in the boat. Because what Jesus wants to do is teach you how to move from follower to leader and then make a world impact that changes lives, which you say, but I don't do water without boats. I don't do boots. Would you for Jesus? That's really the question, because it's when Jesus calls. That's why you've got to learn his voice. Don't do what I say, please. But if you get to know the voice of Jesus, would you for Jesus, are you willing, Christ follower, to let Jesus take you to a new level of leadership in your personal life? Peter did where in obedience to God, you are willing to move beyond your comfort zone and into a new risk where he's got me or I go down. 
And instead of being defined where the limits of your life don't define you, where the gravity of the situation doesn't define you, where the preferences of your comfort zone don't define you, but Jesus gets to define you. And when you risk following his lead, then the hero that you are meant to be rises so that others can find their way to him. And the world is different because of you. It's like saying this to God through Jesus. Father, I'll have what he's having. Have you ever prayed that to God? I'll have what Jesus had, please. And then see where it takes you. Thank you, Lord, for your great kindness and patience. Thank you for the amazing challenge that you have given us in your humanity, in your deity, and then in extending the power of your reach through people like me, people like us who can be so overwhelmed by our circumstances and feel so small. And yet, if Peter can do it, then surely I could take that next step. What's your next step? Where would, would the Spirit lead you to say, your way mine, Lord. I'll have what Jesus is having, please. And then those closest to you, those that are in your boat can get to experience what faith looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what Jesus' fresh salvation looks like because you were willing to take the next step. And speaking of next steps, maybe this is your, your next step is saying yes to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, to trust that what he was doing on the cross was doing for you what you could never do, but that he offers himself as a gift of salvation to you. And each week we offer a prayer and invite those who will to join us in it. Maybe this is your time to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I don't wanna die with a whimper. I wanna live your music. So forgive my sins. I am turning from my way to your way but you're gonna to have to show me how to take steps of faith. But my first one is to trust you. So I open my heart to you and I receive you now as my savior. Our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me to open your life to Christ and his salvation and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated? If you're joining us online, you can click that orange banner right there the bottom of the screen, and we'll join you in prayer right now as well. Thank you. Toward the back here in the middle, right on the aisle to my right, God bless you, sir. And then over to my farther right, thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? We're praying for one another today, aren't we? 
Lord Jesus, for each one of these who by lifting their hand have signified an open heart, we now pray that the fullness of your spirit would bring peace like you promised, the joy of salvation, and the sense of your presence to cause them now to walk with you over and through whatever crisis they are now facing. In your name we pray, amen.